Hello, goblins and ghouls. Welcome to Terra Informa. If the air smells of pumpkin, rotting leaves, and abject fear, that means it's time for our annual Halloween episode. It also means that it's time for the CGSR Fun Drive. Our host station, CGSR 88.5 FM, is entirely volunteer-run and relies on donations from listeners like you to keep us on the air. So, if you're a fan of the show, please consider donating whatever you can to CJSR. Plus, you can even snag yourself some sweet perks and merch. You can donate at cgsr.com, call 780-492-2577, extension 0, or text CJSR to 41010 to quickly and anonymously donate $10. Our annual Halloween episode is a little bit fun and silly, but we wanted to take this opportunity to acknowledge that this episode of Terra Informa was produced in Treaty 6 territory, in Amiskwitsuaskaigan, Beaver Hills House, or so-called Edmonton. We are broadcasting from unrecognized Papas Chase Cree territory. The Papas Chase Cree were displaced following consistent efforts from local officials like Frank Oliver to discredit the legitimacy of their treaty right to this territory and to reserve number 136, now South Edmonton. Not confined to history, this region is also the present homelands of many First Peoples who build their lives here, pursue livelihoods, and gather together, including Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, and Dene. Wherever you're listening from, we ask you to consider whose version of history informs your understanding of the land you are on. This year, for our Halloween episode, we find ourselves in a dark and creepy graveyard. What strange creatures reside under the tombstones? And what monster lurks in the center? Scara Informa presents The Graveyard of Extinct Animals. From ghost to ghost to ghost, you're listening to Scara Informa. found yourself in a strange place, haven't you? We don't get many visitors here. You'll forgive me for the mess. Evolution is not a pretty process. Well, you had better come in. It'll be a cold night. Welcome to my home, and the home of many that have come before, and the eventual home of those that will come after. This is the graveyard of extinct animals. Ah, the earth has been here for a long time, and many, many creatures have walked and swam and flown across the great expanse. I lose track sometimes. It, uh, I suppose it comes with the age. Oh, I think it's something like four billion animals over the years. Oh, I remember them all. Some wonderful, some monstrous, some not much to talk about. You can walk amongst the tombstones here for a long, long time. 99% of the four billion animals are here, extinct, gone forever, with lots for me to clean. Oh, but where, where are my manners? I haven't introduced myself yet. Oh, I have many names. 
many long forgotten. But you can call me the Crypt Keeper. I take care of this place. I watch over it and I prepare for the new arrivals. It's a thankless job, but important nonetheless. I can see you're curious. Would you like to meet a resident? One of our dearly departed. You see, these creatures are gone, but their memory remains. And see, here, a dear friend of mine, the lovely Megan... The lovely Megan... I'll let her introduce herself. there. Don't be shy. No need to hide. Come on over so I can see your face. Well, aren't you cute? Such a soft little thing. Oh, sorry. So rude. I haven't even introduced myself. My name is Meganuropsis Permian, but that's such a mouthful. You can just call me Megan. As you can probably tell, well, I'm dead. A ghost, a hauntingly beautiful creature of the afterlife, etc, etc. I've been flitting around this graveyard for quite some time. I was alive during the Permian period, which began almost 300 million years ago. It looked a lot different around here back then. At first, there were glaciers all over the place, but by the end of my time, it was so hot and dry in so many places that life on Earth and in the ocean was tough. But during the heyday of the Permian period, life was pretty great. I mean, I was the life of the party. Picture this. You're in a tropical, coastal wetland, and you're probably some kind of amphibian or insect because that's who was mostly around back then. And you're minding your business when all of a sudden, a huge shadow passes over you. And before you even have time to think, snap, a massive insect, yours truly, has scooped you out of the water to take you to dinner. Not exactly a dragonfly, insects like me are informally known as griffinflies. With my wingspan of almost two and a half feet, I was the terror of the skies. Small insects and amphibians, beware. I'm sure you're wondering, how was it that I was so magnificent and large while your present dragonflies and other insects are so minuscule? This question has plagued humans ever since they began to find relics of large insects. One of the first thoughts was that it must have been related to the higher levels of oxygen in the atmosphere during the Permian period. There is some substance behind this. While you humans have a single trachea, insects have a system of trachea that connect to each other and allow us to respirate. All good things come to an end, including my ruling of the swamps. The Permian period ended abruptly, with one of the largest mass extinctions ever, which was so severe that only a maximum of 10% of the period's maximum biodiversity survived to the end. So now, here I am, endlessly looming about this corner of the graveyard. Do come back soon, alive or otherwise. Gets pretty lonely in here. Well, goodbye, my friend, and come, dear visitor. We have a lot to see still. 
Look, up there, at the top of the big hill, that's the mausoleum. And within is the deadliest beast of all, the monster of all monsters. But that's not our destination. Not yet. Look around, dear visitor, and see graves for miles and miles. Animals come here when their last member dies, and the species is lost forever, before they become extinct and come to their final rest. They may be functionally extinct when only a handful of members remain who cannot reproduce. And before then, species become threatened or endangered as the members drop in number. Sometimes species undergo extirpations, where the species disappear from a specific area. Well, extinctions happen for many, many reasons. Some species fail to adapt to the changing environment around them. Their geographic range means it exists only within a small area, more vulnerable to environmental disasters and smaller populations. Some species lose their genetic diversity, their DNA, their adaptations, their mutations become minimal, and a single disaster or event and uh, well, look around. All creatures, those that reside with me and those that don't yet, are connected. Some of my residents came here because their prey died, or their competition started outperforming. Maybe they could not cope with new diseases or environmental change. Some here are parasites, gone with the passing of their hosts. I don't judge. All are welcome. Ah, well, here is another favorite resident. Would you like to come say hi? What a surprise, guests. I am the great and powerful Titanoboa. And I am the largest snake that has ever lived. Look upon me in fear, little one, for my expanse can reach 40 feet and my heft over 2,000 pounds. My bones, six feet below us, measure 250 vertebrae. I ruled the tropical rainforests of South America, 60 million years ago, and indulged upon a lovely diet of local fish. You may be familiar with my descendants, the anacondas and boas, though of course their size is nothing compared to the titan. Why do I dwarf the paltry snakes of your earth? Perhaps the heat of the Paleocene helped my cold-blooded body grow. Five million years after the death of the great dinosaurs, I was able to dominate the food chain and step forward. No pun intended. So, my little prey, how did I kill? Did I wrap my near-infinite expanse around my meal, crushing them and watching the air leave their lungs? like the boa constrictor? 
Did I camouflage in the rainforest and snap at my prey? I still have some secrets. You'll never know until it's too late. Of course, you must wonder why I didn't survive to rule your world. Perhaps the declining global temperatures made my titanic size impossible and my little brethren could survive. Or perhaps my darling rainforest transformed too much. All I know is that it was unfair. I should be there now, the apex predator of Earth. But you, little prey, you should consider yourself lucky that I am trapped in this grave. Can you imagine how long it took me to dig a 40-foot grave? Don't tell anyone, but I ended up just curling the thing up. Much easier. Uh, well, come on, lots to see still. Let's head towards the center. The beast of all beasts awaits. You're listening to Terra Informa, a production of CGSR 88.5 FM. This week, it's CGSR's annual fund drive. CGSR is listener-supported community radio, and we rely on gracious donations to stay that way. If you're a fan of Terra Informa and local storytelling, please consider making a donation to keep this show and many other great ones on the air. And you could even get some great merch too. Check out cgsr.com to make a donation, or you can call 780-492-2577, extension 0, or text CJSR to 41010 to quickly and anonymously donate $10. Welcome back, dear visitor. I missed you. And it was just kind of awkward standing here for 30 seconds or so. But come, we have much more to see. Look over there. The old and crumbling headstones. Some of the earliest to come to the cemetery. From the Ordovicidian Salarian extinction event. You see, at times throughout history, there have been mass extinction events when lots of biological life was lost rapidly. The Ordovicidian Silurian extinction was 450 million years ago, in the Paleozoic era. 85% of all species on Earth at the time joined me. Oh, I was so busy, you wouldn't believe it. This one was global warming. Or was it global cooling? Ah, my memory is not what it used to be. Over here we have the graves of the late Devonian extinction, stretching as far as the eye can see. 70% of all species died, mostly ocean creatures. Many of these creatures are still important to you, becoming the fossil fuels you burn so fervously. 
Ah, here we have the humble trilobite, the seemingly invincible arthropod. Not even the shells kept them safe. The arthropod marks the graves of the Permian-Triassic extinction. The big one, over nine in ten creatures on the planet, made their final journey here that day. Well, not day, millions of years. 200 million years ago, the Triassic-Jurassic extinction event caused three quarters of all life on Earth to die. Many large amphibians came that day. With these species lost, dinosaurs had little competition and could dominate the planet. Though, regardless of rain, predator or prey, every species comes here before long. See there? The very big headstones. There marks the graves of the great lizards, the dinosaurs, killed in the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction. Of course, there are many more. Death is a certainty of life. But now is not the time for fortune cookie platitudes. We approach the great monster. But first, let's make a stop. Another of our big monsters. Allow me to introduce the giant sloth. Sylvester the Sloth, and I am a giant ground sloth, aka a megatherium. I'm 12 feet tall and constantly tired, even if I don't do much at all. I waddled through places like Argentina, Uruguay, and Bolivia, going back between 400,000 to 8,000 years ago. Whenever I see vegetation, I just want to eat and eat, and then tuck into my subterranean burrow for a sleep. Excavating my burrow was a bit of a chore. But due to my illustrious claws, shoveling was done as fast as slothly possible, and in the end, the burrow was a pretty cozy place for a snore. My waddling was due to my heel bone taking on my sizable weight. Achilles heel, maybe, but it did make for a whimsical waddling gait. I left big footprints to fill that Darwin himself found in Argentina. On the question of my cuter, smaller descendants living up to my legacy, to me it's still up to debate. Since we're all related, I should make mental amends, though. My time in this earthly arena probably came to an end with the humans coming about and climate change. Sounds familiar, I suppose. The parallels sure are strange. <sighs> Happy Halloween! I'm heading back to my ultimate nap. Many a great big mammal joined me during the quaternary extinction. Our large, slothy friend is but one of many of the creatures that lead to the great beast ahead. Hear that crunch. It's not crisp leaves falling. The trees here have been dead for many years. No, it's bones. The many of the victims of the great beast. But first, one last stop before we enter the mausoleum. Let's visit the elephant bird. Hey guys, my name is Alice, the last member of my family, the Aphiornithidae, also known as the elephant bird. We were primitive members of the ratites, 
you'd know our descendants, ostriches, rias, emus, and my closest descendant, the kiwi. They're all large, flightless birds just like us. Though of course, they were not nearly as large as us. We were just as flightless. There are several species of elephant bird. The biggest species in my family is the V Titan. Some of the species in my family stood up to three meters tall and weighed as much as about a thousand pounds. But the biggest of the V Titan weighed as much as 1900 pounds. It's no big deal. We were the tallest birds, which we're really proud of, and the heaviest bird, which we're slightly less proud of. You can recognize us from our conical beaks, short thick legs, we never skip leg day, three-toed feet, and our wings are unfortunately small, making us flightless. Our eyes were built to see in the dark, helpful for our nocturnal lifestyle. Humans called us elephant birds, not because we're as big as elephants, though we were just as tall, but in reference to their rook, a legendary bird of mythology, big enough to carry off an elephant in its claws. Can you imagine how cool that'd be? When we lived, you could find us in the forests of Madagascar, where we, as herbivores, would feast on low-lying fruit, as well as some high-lying fruit, since we're so tall. Like many of our bird relatives, we laid eggs. But unlike the paltry eggs of some birds, <laughs> quail, we did eggs the way we do everything else, big. We laid some of the largest eggs out of any animals, over 25 centimeters long and 20 centimeters wide. For thousands of years, we coexisted with humans, even though they used to hunt us for food. But for all our majestic size, we went extinct somewhere around 1560 to 1300 years ago. Elephant birds like me came to our end through a combination of climate and vegetation change, hunting by humans and habitat loss from deforestation. It doesn't help our stupid tiny wings meant we couldn't fly away from Madagascar. As beautiful as our island was, the small geographic range left us vulnerable to disease, hunting, and environmental change. You can see a similar fate with our colleagues, the giant lemur, another resident of Madagascar that's now extinct. Fossils of my fellow elephant birds and our eggs have been uncovered in fossil deposits from the Pleistocene and Holocene periods since the 19th century. Bye guys! Well, we've dillied and we've dallied, but the time has come. Let us meet the grave of the great beast, the creature that has caused more extinctions than any other in this graveyard, a creature responsible for the sixth of our great extinction events, one that's happening while we currently speak. Dear visitor, welcome to the grave of humans. Our great beast has not yet joined us, but before long, I'd like to be ready. Humans, they've hunted, they've deforested, they've changed the very climate of the world. 
I've been very busy since they've grown in population. This mass extinction has been much faster than those of the olden days. Species are lost every year, from pollinators to birds to hunters. A wake of death surrounds this mausoleum, one that grows annually. Oh, creature so fearsome. Surely it deserves to be the great beast of all beasts. <laughs> well, would you look at the time? Enough to fill a half hour of content. And I'm afraid it's time for you to go. But don't worry. I'm sure I'll see you soon enough. Goodbye, dear visitor. And happy Halloween. listening to this year's Scara Informa, our annual Halloween episode. As a reminder, this show was produced in support of CGSR's annual fund drive. Terra Informa is produced every week by a team of volunteers. Your donations help keep the station up and running, and allow us to keep sharing environmental news, stories, and ideas each week. CGSR not only provides a place for awesome independent radio that highlights voices, perspectives, stories, and music that is often underrepresented in mainstream media, but it also provides a fantastic sense of community to its volunteers and listeners. To donate, you can visit cgsr.com, call 780-492-2577, extension 0, or text CGSR to 41010 to anonymously donate $10. If you like listening to Terra Informa each week, we would love it if you supported our show. Shout out to Sonic Patel for leading this episode and to Sarah Chitsaz and Lizzie Barron for their contributions. This episode was produced by myself, Hannah Cunningham. For more episodes, visit our website, terrainforma.ca. To get in touch, you can send an email to terra at cgsr.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at terrainforma. Catch you next week, right here on Scara, uh, Terra Informa.